Do I go now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is on brand for how this day has been. Today looking for Garza, backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Hey everybody, thanks for uh, downloading Five Stripe Final again on Dirty South Soccer Podcast Network. Just wanted to take a quick second before we get the episode started to tell you, let you guys know yet again that this episode has been brought to you guys by Lucid FC. If you haven't heard yet, Lucid FC is bringing all of the Five Stripe Final episodes here to you this year. And they've been a great partner for us. I was able to meet the guys who run this company. It's uh, F- Lucid FC stands for footwear and clothing they're a clothing brand kind of a british modern uh style and it's really cool clothes i they actually gave me some when i went to go down to meet them and i actually was just wearing one of the parkas uh that they sell today i wore it down to work and it was great because it it was awesome and it made me look cool too it, it's a uh, it's honestly <laughs> it's kind of sad that i'm a full-grown adult and these clothes are like the most fashionable things that i own but um anyway so i would recommend anybody go out and get them you can check them out at lucidfc.us or lucidfc.co.uk and check them out they've got all kinds of stuff pants pants to parkas to pretty much everything in between so um you can wear it to the soccer game or you can wear it to a club or something or out to a restaurant or dinner so uh versatile stuff and again highly recommend it and i thank them for bringing this episode to you so without further ado let's get right into it five star final jason jones here from the mothership in dirty south soccer joe patrick from 92.9 the game dirty south soccer and the mothership sometimes as well is over there joe it's been a day let's let's look at this day I'm loopy. let's 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 take a look back at this day let's let's go back in time to a simpler time to a to a more kinder and more sunshiny world where we were sitting there minding our own business making fun of emerson hyman <laughs> man that is true that is what that that is what was happening this morning. It was just a it was just a normal it was such a normal Tuesday. It was a day like any other. It was it was so normal until like eleven PM or eleven AM. It was like, you know, I had just like done a little Heinemann post talking about where he fits in the midfield because I didn't think we were going to have any content for today. <laughs> that is honestly, seriously, why yeah. I wrote that post. I was like, shoot, well, we better get something up on the website because I don't know what else is going to go on today. Teams in Florida. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Um, yeah, and then Rob Usry started talking about how Heinemann <laughs> is a Nagby. He's he's Nagby and Barco in one elf-like package. <laughs> and then we started talking about how he does kind of look like an elf, doesn't he? He is very slight. Yes, he just needs but a little it... bit. If he had the pointy ears, that's all he's missing, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's it's such an innocent conversation before the carnage that follows with a with a goth bomb. We'll call it, it I guess. Stephen Goff breaks the story first of uh, Julian Gressel being traded in exchange for money. Hold on. Have you ever seen like historical um, 
like recreations of like Chernobyl or like some really devastating act of war or something. And it's like showing the people in their house and they're just, you know, going about their day and minding their own business and everything is mm-hmm. just perfectly normal. That, that's what this was today. Yeah, exactly right. Like it was, it was just out of the blue and me, brutal and swift. Just reading. I'm not going to name names of who was saying these things, but just like the, the words that were uttered after the, the Stephen Goff tweet got dropped in the, in the uh-huh. channel was holy crap what the fuck oh my god oh my uh oh fuck i don't know what to say what <laughs> and then you interestingly come in here and say i mean it's not that shocking which i mean it, <laughs> nah, to, I to a point uh, i get what you're saying but also i don't think any of us expected it while they're in god dang bradenton or wherever they're at right now it's bradenton right i mean yeah that comment from yeah. me saying it wasn't that shocking was definitely me trying to feel better about the situation like within the first seconds of finding out about it you know Mm -hmm. yeah well good work (laughs) i think we continued (laughs) to panic (laughs) yeah everyone well i later went on to say he set himself on fire and yeah of course elizabeth holmes um it's god it was such a strange day because everything from there got worse (laughs) somehow like as far as the general attitude about everything and it was all just like gasoline being poured out and poured out and poured out and then shaken a little bit to empty out the rest of the can. And then we'll get to it later. Someone decided to, to light a match uh, very uncharacteristically for this team and just really, really double down on <laughs> Uh, I, I guess we could call it a cheat day, right? Like Atlanta took uh, a big bite of, of something really, really bad for them and said, ah, I guess one more thing won't hurt, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we'll get to that in a second, but we, we do got to have to talk about Gressel, and we really probably won't get too much into exactly what this means because I think, I think if we got too far ahead of ourselves, we would be short-sighted because this isn't it right like as much as we're freaking out this is yeah. that there's yeah. there's money still to be spent there's there's spots to be filled more is coming so we don't know the full outlook for this team right now but right now if you started the season seventh place looking ass team yeah it's not good it's it's definitely not good and something i want to talk about uh, the phone call that Carlos Bocanegra had with media this afternoon to kind of talk about it. Yeah. It was, I don't want to say he sounded flustered. That might be too strong, but it was definitely Carlos sounding like he was reaching for the most milk toast things he could possibly say about the situation. Um, lots of, lots of, umming and hemming and hawing like it, it wasn't he was kind of talking around a lot of things it felt like to me now he did address some things head on he, he said he said that uh, he knows that the fans were going to hammer them for this it was very clear that how bad of a PR hit this was for the team although I don't know if they they actually took it as seriously as I think a lot of us were taking it and it was just amazing to me to see some of the reaction online today of 
how distraught people were. And, and I, and I'm not saying that in like kind of a condescending way. I mean, like, and I, I, it was, it was actually kind of heartwarming almost to kind of see how much of an impact one player could have over, you know, the whole, the whole fan base really like everybody was just distraught. Yeah, no, I mean, this is a player that was so amazingly under the radar and then found a spot in this team where he's really been able to be, be successful and obviously, you know, cared about the city, cared about the fans and was thankful, I think, to be, to be given a shot as a draft pick, knowing full well that these things don't normally work out, right? And it's going to be looked back on as one of the best. Uh, draft classes for any team ever really in MLS just from the the few years aggressive we've gotten and the few years of miles we're going to get and have had for the last little bit here anyway Uh, it's just so stunning and then to you know have things like he was of course very interactive with the fans he was always uh, out at events um, very kind of focused on on building a personal brand for himself in in a very not a cynical way, you know, and, and sometimes that can come across as cynical. And it, it rarely did with with Julian, who seemed to really kind of enjoy being out there with the fans, even if, you know, sometimes they freaked him out a little bit <laughs> and were yeah, a little yeah. too over the top, you know. Well, yeah, I, I think in that regard, I think that everybody kind of respected the hustle, you know, and. Which that's is the, Alfred at that's that as hell, but it's also legit. <laughs> and that's you the know? kind of player he was on the field too. No, I mean like he I th- I seriously, I think that people his entire time here people knew that he was underpaid and and that he had to kind of do these out of the box kind of things that you don't typically see from an athlete. So anyway, all that's to say is that I think everybody kind of respected him a lot for that and um but I think not only did they respect him that that it grew a bond between the fans and the player himself. So it's just one of those things that you can't really recreate, you know, it's just one of those kind of special things that happened. And it's weird that it happened by the circumstance of Julian Russell, not getting paid nearly enough money as he should, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you know I, I think it's something that will live with fans for a long time. So on top of that, you got an excellent nickname that came up pretty organically that really kind of endeared him to folks and, and made him recognizable and stand out. Um, and then, you know, you, you have moments that showed he gave a shit, which can be very rare at times, you know, if you're, if you're having to be a little uh, too professional, I guess, and things like that. Uh, but, but to see someone really actually care about the fans and everything like that and the the one that everyone I think is going to come back to and the one I think even maybe Julian mentioned today and his goodbye post um, was a lasting memory that I have of him taking MLS Cup off of the stand after the uh, the ceremony or whatever you want to call it and immediately running full speed over to the supporter section uh, as everyone kind of lost their mind a little bit. Uh, and that's going to be a lasting, lasting thing. From that and to know that that player is gone and playing in, for a different team at this point yeah. that we're going to be able to see a few times a year paired with another cult hero in Yamil Assad <laughs> it hurts man yeah, it sucks yeah. I'm, I'm honest I'm getting a little I'm getting a little it's getting a little dusty in here talking about him you know taking the MLS Cup and 
and running with it. He just really did have that connection with the fans. And that's what something I mentioned today was I've said it felt today felt like to me, and this isn't in tandem with the Leander Gonzalez Perez sale. It feels like a piece of Atlanta United soul is gone. You know, it's felt like, you know, they've, yeah, for lack well, of a I mean, better word, sold it, sold, you know, for money to rebuild yeah. the squad or whatever. But, you know, those players, those two players, and I think Russell especially, well, I don't even want to say this, but him especially, but like both those players were here from day one and yeah. they were the two most capped players on Atlanta United. And I think that because of that, the fans had a, uh, an affinity for those two players, maybe that unlike anybody else. Yeah, no, it, it's completely fair. It's completely fair. It, it's such a, a tough double whammy. We kind of already eulogized Lee Andrew, of course, yeah. and talked a little bit how his play is somewhat diminished and lacked consistency last year. Gressel was real damn good, though, last year. Yeah, you know, oh, I think yeah. everyone kind of recognized that. I mean, he, he was forcing, forcing PT out of the lineup at times uh, to an extent and really kind of forcing tactical changes as Josh Bagianski talked about uh, in an excellent piece on DSS today. Um, it makes it even worse, right? <laughs> you throw that on top of it. And all of it comes back to something we talked about, I think, for uh, at least a second in the last show, is that all of this, all of the changes, all of the movement is in part, of course, to the salary gap and everything like that. But it's also due in part to Frank DeBoer's so-called vision, right? Like what, what the idea for this team is going forward, right? And if it doesn't come off this year with the, the stalwart pieces of this club, and like you said, in part, the, the soul of this club, if it doesn't turn into results this year, if it doesn't turn into to soccer that is meaningful and, and enjoyable, then there's going to be serious questions to answer. Yeah, real serious questions to answer. I, you know, I, just looking down at kind of like the worst case scenario, it, I, I could see a sort a certain like calcification between the fan base and the support and the, and the team itself and, and their performances, because they don't have that kind of, they don't have as much of that connection now to the players. And even some of the players that are still around, like miles Robinson, I absolutely love miles Robinson. I think he's just, and he comes from a great family, incredible human being, not the most charismatic emotive though guy you know he's not a guy that fans really connect with in that same kind of way so i hope that things get off to a decent start on the field just so that fans can kind of warm up to a lot of these a lot of these players and i would even say you know pity is the same way where it's like he's a great player and i think a lot of people respect the ability that he shows when he plays the game but he's also an introvert you know and so he's not going to have that same kind of that same kind of charisma and that same kind of connection. I want to ask you something and you kind of started to bring this up, which is about Julian's play on the field. And this was something that I don't think Carlos ever kind of squared away in the call that we had, which was, he was talking about how, you know, well, we, we need to maximize our value and we need to, you know, obviously get better. We want to be put the best team possible on the field as we can. And I know that, the, the contract situation that Gressel was in meant that the team couldn't, they had to kind of figure this out now. They couldn't let this linger through the season. That would have created a really, a, a really tense and bad uh, 
atmosphere between the the club and the player. But I'm I'm struggling to square the fact that you can actually be better without the guy who had who's had 35 assists in the last three seasons, and that's the fifth most in MLS over that court over that period of time. I struggle to think that this somehow makes the team better. I guess, I mean, I think the team already yeah. has a lot of pieces in place that they can already be really good without a player like Julian Gressel, but I don't think they're necessarily going to be better than they could have been with him. I'll add something to that 35 assist stat you threw out. Uh, last year, according to Opta, uh, Gressel was tied with Carlos Vela in big chances created. I'm not entirely sure what Opta's exact terminology is for big chances is, but from my understanding, it's going to be uh, passes that that lead to really, uh, really yeah. high chance. I think it's a pass that leads goals. to a chance that's of a certain, yeah, of a certain XG threshold. I'm not sure what it would be, but we can all we can all imagine what a big chance looks like. Exactly, and he's tied with Carlos Vela for the league lead. Yeah, for the league that's, lead, you know. Well that, I mean, that was always Gressel's thing was, and it's funny because I've kind of debated about with Rob Osri about this just privately, just discussing soccer, which I love to do with Rob. And Rob loves uh, a tricky winger, a dribbler, you know, a, a, that kind of a, a flair player. And I do too, of course. But I think Gressel, what he was so good at was he didn't really because there was that element of flair and trickiness and and one on one ability elsewhere in the squad. He was kind of the perfect opposite of that, where he didn't really have that as part of his game. But what was part of his game was to always be in really smart positions and provide really smart delivery to Joseph, you know, like cutting the ball back in a really kind of clever way on the ground instead of just lumping in crosses, you know, from that right side. Yeah. Personally, when I, re- I remember when Julian was basically I wouldn't say breaking into the team, but he basically was not relinquishing his his spot in in the in the team in 2018 under Tata Martino. And I was kind of worried about the crossing situations like it's it's statistically analytically, it's not a great way to produce chances, but you cannot deny like the stat that you just provided and and how effective Gressel was at that, you know, and just providing, he just gave something, the team something different from that side of the field. And to me, when Carlos was talking today, just, it struck me at how difficult I think that's going to be to replace, but who knows, maybe Brooks London can come in and do something very similar. But God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, God. I should say, I think Tito will be obviously the, the, the starter he he will be the yeah. one to dethrone if there's anybody to dethrone as like the right winger over there but uh Which, yeah i mean it, it's just so interesting because frank has shown such a lack of interest in playing tito on so many occasions right yeah to now have that be the option um at least well, for now he uh, was it, hampered it, by injury a lot last year and it's you know i was thinking about this also uh today which was t- toward the second half of last season both Tito and Barco were almost completely absent from the team until the very, very end of the season. So maybe those guys can have a resurgence and I'm certainly hoping to see Barco's best season too, but I don't want to get, I don't want to distract too much from the conversation. Sure. Absolutely. Um, Do you want to talk about, you mentioned too, of course, like the personalities on the team and everything like that. Um, Looking at who's left from the starting lineup last year. uh, I mean, you got, 
you got Franco, regular season Franco. You got Brad. You maybe have Jeff in a regular starting role, uh, Zeke, Pitty, and then Joseph. And it kind of seems like as far as a, a personality standpoint, Joseph is, is going to have to carry the team on his back just about. <laughs> yeah. You know, as much yeah. as we get along with Jeff and is as enjoyable as, as talking to, um, He's, to Franco and everything like that. I, is, I definitely know. wouldn't. I would not categorize Jeff as a like a social butterfly. <laughs> No. no, he's always very gracious and very good in interviews, but yeah. uh, you know, uh, he's, he's got other things on his mind, like um, Halliburton stock. So um, it, it's going to be so interesting to see what this fan base does with this team. And last year, even with a couple of trophies, didn't seem as fun. <laughs> and I know that sounds dumb. Yeah. But it, was, it was a grind. Last year was, was a grind. grind. And for our expectations to be even lower now <laughs> is, <laughs> is, um, is something, right? Well, yeah. What, what's funny is that even in 2018, we think of it, and I, I can say we because I definitely have fallen into this trap, where you, you, you think back to 2018 and it is all sunshine and roses, baby. It was just goal scoring. Uh, you know, it was just perfect. And it culminated in MLS Cup. And it wasn't until I was actually went back and was doing a story about, I can't even remember what it was, but I, the next season last year at some point, I was doing a story and I was looking back. I was going through some of my old tape from 2018. And going into the 2018 playoffs, all of the talk was about how this team needed to learn to win and couldn't, uh, you know, couldn't win the big one and all this stuff because they, had, right. you know, they lost their first season. So it is funny how I think the success of the team actually does kind of change, change the way you think of it in retrospect. But I think certainly last year it was, I mean, the, those first couple months of the season, you know, as much as people may want to forget them, I don't think anybody can forget how kind of brutal the play was those first, uh, that first part of the year. Joe, did you say that Atlanta United lost in their first season? Yeah, believe it or not. Wow. What, what happened? Uh, penalties. You know, they... Penalties. Do you remember? The, oh. You remember everybody was giving Tata a bunch of shit for uh, for not having practice penalties and training and stuff. Everybody's yes, very, very, hilarious. very mad. Everyone. And mad. I also remember everyone being very annoyed with who took the penalties, which is still very funny uh, because they may have been totally right because Leandro and Jeff took the. And Jeff makes some sense, but Leandro being like the second person was yeah. also very funny. <laughs> I think Gressel take one. T- I want to say Gressel scored his. I think Gressel made his. Yeah. Um, I was I was in the supporter section that night. I'm trying. I blacked really? out a lot of it. I was, yeah. Back when I uh, back when I did such things. Nice. Um, before I got that you. fancy media pass and lived in the high tower for a couple of years here. <laughs> um, but okay, so let's see. Gressel made his, and, and then Jeff hit the post. I remember. Uh, Leandro got saved. Uh, what did Columbus do, Joe? I think did they make every single one? I think they just about did. But I wonder, anyone, anything stand out in particular from from that last one? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. One. Look, there's (laughs) there's only one Adam John. God dang it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um. So 
the reaction for the Slack that we talked about for the Gressel announcement, the uh, the pre Jean announcement, because we knew this one was coming, was in my opinion even more visceral to an extent. But <laughs> it was it was it was Walter White laughing in the crawl space, right? It, yeah. it was just. Oh my God! Okay, if, if, and if we don't know too, I, I do want to clarify. Adam John made the last penalty for Columbus in that game, and then proceeded to talk a lot of smack for not just that night, but on social media for for a year and a half, essentially. Uh, of course, Atlanta fans would always give him a little bit of stick, but uh, you know, not exactly a, a friendly relationship. Uh, he, he's coming from from Phoenix Rising, did it very well in the USL last season. Uh, but it is USL, and you know it, he is the a backup striker, I guess. If if we're not considering Tito in that second spot now, um, to announce it today, of all days, was a choice. It was. It was definitely a choice. I am. Uh, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording, and I we may be. I think we may be a different opinion here. I don't care that much that I don't care that much that they announced John today what really gets me going is the whole fanfare that they put around it you know especially like with the Darren Eels tweet love Darren Eels love Darren Eels huge heart on that man and he's a great president and steward of this club but I just thought the tweet was a little much yeah we need to be teasing Adam John signing like you know (laughs) Um, of course there's that whole thing too like if you don't do it are you saying he's lesser than and I understand that Darren was in a a tough position all strikers matter oh yeah and um, you you know you don't want anyone to be completely miffed by that on the team Uh, you have a bit going and I know personally how hard it is to get away from bits that you think are good Um, and Normally, the bit is good. This one just seemed ill-fated from the very beginning. Um, and frankly, I think the announcement itself was was mistimed in a lot of ways. It really could have waited till tomorrow, y'all. Yeah. Um, it just seemed so piling on, I guess. And piling on from things that were very much in Atlanta's control, you know? Um, and for a team that likes to control the message a lot and, you know, be very brand centric and be very brand focused, it was strange to see them swinging this like this. Yeah, I almost right. wonder if the John announcement, I, I don't think this is right, but I'm I'm, I'm going to throw this out there. Like if the John amount announcement was made today on the same day as Gressel because they weren't that thrilled about it. And like they were like, okay, well, let's just get this one out of the way today too. Um, but I don't think that's actually the case because of the whole way that they promoted it with the tweet and all that stuff. So um, just something I was thinking of. Um, what was I going to ask you? I was going to ask you something, and now it's slipping my mind. It's been too much stuff has been happening today. Dang it, mm. I can't remember. Well, look, changes are are here, and it's it's tough to deal with and it's like it's like going in to Costco and like finding out they've changed the aisles and so now you have to to go to aisle seven to get your your giant thing of 64 bags of like fruit loops right 
Uh, and that's going to be tough to deal with. And you may take a break from Costco for a little bit, but eventually you're going to come back and hopefully realize that it's still the same product. I, I think we're going to be fine. I know this sucks, and I know it feels like hot trash, but there's got to be good things coming, right? There's too much well, money. There's too much space available now yeah, for good yeah. things not, not to be coming. I mean, people are definitely going to look at Brooks Lennon and be like, you're not Julian Gressel. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's like... Uh, he even does kind of look like, like a like smaller parent, version of parents him. getting remarried like, or something. You know, yeah. there's, gonna, there's definitely going to have to be new bonds formed this year somehow between mm-hmm. players and uh, and look. And, and if you see if you see Brooks Lennon out on the street, just walk up to him and ask him about last night's episode of Frasier. He will want <laughs> to talk about it. Sure, it I, was a refund, but he I, will want to talk about it. I will say this year, I think that if we're talking about new you know players the, these new relationships that fans may establish with players george bellow i think will be a big one i think he could have a lot of fun with fans i think fans would will love to love on him as as long as he's playing well i think fans will love fernando meza once that once they kind of get more exposure to him i've only been exposed to him for about 15 minutes for an interview but he was awesome yeah it's not the end of the world you know it's just going to be new and different and i think it's going to be in, very interesting uh for for that reason but it's definitely feeling like a, you know, the new chapter, which I think was what how they branded last year. Right, and then we ended up going back to the same stuff that worked for the most part. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> we're not going to be able to do that this time. You know, it, it is going to be, it is going to be Frank's team. Yeah, uh, very much in a very real sense for the first time, and it's uh, Ooh, it's frightening okay. to think what that might be. Can I say something? I, I do want to say something about this as well, because this was a big talking point today, which was that what, what you just said, which was that this, this is Frank DeBoer's uh, team now or whatever. And I do agree with that. I do think that this season will be a big referendum on his coaching ability and how well he's able to establish a coherent style of play uh, with the, a group of players that are, you know, you could reasonably say are his players now. His kind of his team definitely it definitely has his stamp on it. But I would also go a step further and say that this is almost more referendum on Carlos Bocanegra and how um, how talented of a squad he's able to put together for Frank DeBoer this year. Because, you know, Carlos Bocanegra has been with the team, obviously, since its founding. And but when the club started, they had Paul McDonough in the front office, right. who was like a he's like a cap wizard. And I think that he honestly gets a lot of got a lot of credit and rightfully so for helping build that first initial roster. And through that initial roster build, it set the team up for success for, you know, a few years while these guys were still under contract. But obviously now what we're seeing is these contracts are are expiring or coming towards the end. The team has to make a decision on whether to to cut bait or or um, or extend them or whatever. And so I think that mm. we're seeing that in action right now. And I think that for that reason, we'll also see kind of what this squad is made out of. And, uh, and, and I think it's almost like Boca Negra is now no training wheels, you know, it, it, he's right. kind of on his own now and we're going to see what, uh, how good a job he's done. On top of that, you have a, a direct comparison available because Paul McDonough went to Miami. Yeah. Miami's the league, you know, like, and if that first year Miami team, God forbid, does better than Atlanta this year. Then, um, ooh, there, yeah. there are gonna be some real, real questions asked. Uh, on top of that, you have uh, 
the headline of this article is, is Julian Gressel thanks Atlanta United supporters from Doug Raverson, the AJC. Uh, but the lead quote from Gressel in it is, I'm happy to go to a situation where I feel I'm really wanted. Yeah. And I think that is where some consternation comes from fans, too, is to, to hear that. Because the fans clearly wanted him, and Julian knows that and talks about that later. But that sounds that sounds like a culture issue. That sounds like a team issue. Uh, and for, for that to come up for a player that's so well-liked, it, it puts the front office under even more of a, magnus, of a microscope, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I totally understand where he's coming from i think that's a kind of a direct shot at the front office in that you know he said he wanted to be a priority for this club at the end of last season after they got knocked out of of mls cup playoffs and then carlos bocanegra on a phone call with medias said that gressel was a priority and i I said this on twitter today right after that press conference that we had today with bocanegra which was that I don't think they really ever treated him like he was a priority. It sounded to me like what Carlos Bocanegra was saying happened was that, you know, hey, we only have so much money to offer you. So, you know, this is all we can offer. And, you know, please take it. And Julian didn't take it. And rightfully so, because he got a lot more elsewhere. But if he was really a priority, that's not how you that's not how you deal with a priority. If he was a priority, you make it happen. You know, you you move heaven and earth to make sure. He's here. And I don't think and somebody followed up with a good question saying, like, well, how did you evaluate like how do you evaluate his long term prospects? Why do you, you know, something along the lines of like how how did you come to the um to the decision where you decided he was not worth X amount of money? And Carl's basically shut it down saying he's not gonna answer that question. But, you know, I think it honestly I thought it spoke volumes as to the fact that they thought he was worth a dollar amount, you know, and yeah. he got but sometimes you I'm, have to I, do. And that's why I'm glad he got his. I'm, I'm just glad yeah. he got his money. Life. It's life changing money for Gressel, you know, like to make it sounds like 700 K plus over four years. That's going to be like, what, three million or something. No, oh, definitely. And it's, something it's, like almost that. Seven, it's almost seven times what he was making. Like, yeah. you know, he, he's not having to go get the sponsorship from Mercedes Benz to get his car now. He can actually right. just go get the car, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, that is, that is, yeah, that's I, I pulled up next to him at a stoplight one time. I didn't know whether to say hey or not. I'm not sure we were cool like that. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, lots of change, lots of weird stuff. It's been, it's been a day. It's yeah. been a day. Yeah, it's uh, been a day. It's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting season for sure. Yeah. Get at us. Let you let us know what you guys think about everything. We're we're always happy to uh, engage in a dialogue. Engage in the marketplace of ideas on Twitter.com. Uh, <laughs> shut up, Joe. <laughs> and <laughs> you can find Joe Patrick to engage him in the marketplace of ideas at J A Patrick two hundred. You can find me at J underscore Sam Jones. Uh, go follow DSS at Dirty South Sock. Uh, go follow our Twitch. Go follow Instagram. Go follow all that nonsense. Um, and of course, follow Five Strike Final at Five Strike Final. We'll be posting some stuff as as we can and, and talking to y'all and uh, having having a, a, a chance to to sort things out together, to grieve together, to to understand where we are in this thing. We'll get through this. There, 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 there will be there will be better times ahead. There will be signings. I'm I'm hopeful, confident, hopeful. Mm-hmm. So Patrick, there we still be. got hope. So I think we'll be fine. Let's get out of it. <laughs> 
All right. Sounds good. Let's uh, let's go sleep easy. See ya.